This is the Retirement Key Podcast with Pat Volk, financial advisor of Abish Financial Services. And I'm Heather Branch here with Pat to talk about what you can be doing now in effort to better prepare for your financial future and thinking about your retirement goals. You got to have a plan in place to help you reach those goals, not just for yourself, but for your family as well. And that's what the entire team at Abish Financial Services is here to help you figure out in a plan of your own. You can find us anytime. RetirementKeyRadio.com is where to go to begin your own conversation with Pat and Abe and the entire team at Abish Financial. Again, it's retirementkeyradio.com. And I know so many folks, Pat, right now wanting to have so many different conversations because the opportunities and the different investments and the different things that are happening with the stock. But all, well, first of all, just all the language we're hearing in the past few years that we haven't heard for decades, inflation rates and high interest rates on mortgages and things like that. The language that's coming into our conversation is so different and unpracticed by folks, particularly folks that are heading into retirement, is it not? It is. And I would say that has a lot to do with just the media. We never really had the ability to capture so much information live. Got it. And if you ever watch CNBC, my opinion is I think that it is equivalent to ESPN and (laughs) that it is really about gambling. Oh, okay. not financial planning. And I've, I've, I tell this to my clients and when I present seminars, I've said this. I said, what is the objective of a financial TV show? What is the objective of that magazine? And it's to get you to the next commercial. Mm. Yeah, that's that's something that we all have to keep in mind, I think, when it comes to any kind of news outlet and news source. I was talking with my husband, and I can't remember what it was. He was talking about some sort of survey or something that he had read. And I said, yeah, did you check the footnotes on that? And he was like, what are you talking about? I said, who paid for that survey? Always find out where the money where is, is coming, coming from, from. Yes, and go from there. <laughs> that, yeah. that like, will, like, what is their motivation? Are well, they there to really engage with me and help me? Right. Or are they just trying to spur me along, throw out a carrot, stay tuned, get through the next two minutes of commercials, and we'll come back and we'll give you some nice discussion. And I think that that's really the advantage of working with an independent financial advisor when you are trying to figure out your own money on a micro level, your personal finances, because that's what you are at Abish Financial Services. You're independent financial advisors. You are not answering to the 20th floor and what they are pushing down to you guys to sell and push out to folks. That's where I think the real advantage is. Yes. And I think you hit the nail on the head with the word independent. Mm -hmm. We do not work for a major firm that is a top-down style of management. Abe and I meet with all of our clients uh, individually. We listen to their concerns individually. Mm -hmm. And we build portfolios meant for them individually. That's right. I've often joke around. I'm like, I'm not here to build my portfolio. I'm here to build your portfolio. Mm -hmm. And that is some people are more aggressive. Some people are more conservative. Some people don't really know. And that is the truth of the matter. They feel that, oh, I've been told I need to be aggressive. I've been told I need to be doing this. But they don't necessarily know why. Right, right. And that's really the ultimate question is, why are you doing this? As you were just pointing out, the whole thing about what CNBC is presenting to us and all the other news outlets, it's just the language can be so confusing. I mean, you are a smart person, dear podcast listener. You've made it this far in life. Obviously, the intelligence is there. I just blame it on the lingo that you don't understand. So let's dive into some of the current lingo and work to break that down a little bit today, Pat. 
thinking about our opportunities. Obviously, the stock market is where the majority of us have been told to go to grow our money for years and years. But the volatility that we have experienced, even though we're we're in the green right now, the volatility over the last few years has left a lot of investors looking for other ways to shore up their money. A lot of people are feeling that bonds can be iffy Mm because I think that there was last year we saw that the stock market and the bond market were both down, which is a unique Bonds were down about 15% last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But keeping cash in CDs and money market funds, it can give you some returns. However, for how long? Many people are wondering about that. Some may have heard about something called an alternative asset. Now, I think that there are some some specifics around alternative assets, but whenever I hear Mm -hmm. the word alternative, Pat, all I think to myself is alternatives. That's a big word. That casts a very wide net. So what the heck is an alternative asset and how can we work to utilize them personally? Well, simplest term, an alternative is just not a stock or a bond. Okay. Stock is ownership of a company. So Mm -hmm. if I buy a stock in company X, I'm hoping company X does very well. They Mm -hmm. sell more widgets, whatever Mm -hmm. it may be, and they become more profitable. A bond is an IOU. I'm lending a company or a government my money and they're promising to pay me back. Uh, my principal, and I'm going to make a little interest on it. These are very basic instruments. And that's really what has been utilized in the financial industry since, you know, time and morium. But when you suddenly bring up an alternative, it doesn't necessarily equal higher risk. I think people infer that it's alternative, meaning it's risky. You can almost feel it. And but that's not necessarily the case. Are there alternatives that are riskier? Yes, there are. You could talk about hedge funds, having to be a qualified investor. I don't really want to go down that road okay. at this stage. Okay. What I would look for is, let's just go back to stocks and bonds for a second. Okay. I think the major issue we've run into over the last number of years is that interest rates were at zero right. for 15 years. So that really means if I am lending my money to a corporation or to a government via a bond, they weren't going to pay me anything for that. So if inflation is running up at 9% and I'm lending my money out for one, mm-hmm. you're going backwards. So where the, some of the alternatives have come in is in that area where am I looking for something that can offer me stability with more growth, a higher yield than what the bonds have been able to offer? And that's where you may come into various insurance products. Annuities can often fit that bill. The insurance company guarantees your principal and they can offer a higher yield than say a 10-year bond. Does that mean you should avoid bonds? Not at all. We are currently employing short-term bonds. If you look at the U.S. Treasury yield curve, I don't want to get too detailed here, but you're able to earn more on a three-month, four-month, and six-month treasury than you're able to earn on a 10-year treasury. And I think that that's where it gets a bit sticky for people. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, okay, so I'm 43 years old. I've got a 401k. I've got some stocks. I hear something about like a bond opportunity right now, and I'm, oh, that's interesting to me. What do you mean three to six months? How do I know when to get in? How do I know when to get out? That's where it gets tricky and where the help of somebody like you comes along and is extra valuable in that space. And that's really what we're trying to do. And I'll just make a contrast between how most folks get involved with bonds are bond funds. Okay. So if you think of a fund, just think of a colonial window. It's one window made up of many different panes of glass. Okay. A bond fund is one investment made up of many different types of bonds. 
same thing. Okay. So when you think of that, you do not own an individual bond that is going to be guaranteed to be held to maturity. Okay. You have a manager buying and selling those bonds. Within the fund, got within it. Within the fund. Okay. So it's a very interest rate sensitive vehicle. Okay. If interest rates move up, bond prices move down and vice versa. But think about this. We've just experienced some of the highest and steepest increases in interest rates in history Mm -hmm. in the last 35 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Reasonable time frame. Mm -hmm. So when you think about that, interest rates are going up. Bond prices have been falling. Bond funds got killed last year. Mm -hmm. They lost about 15%. However, if somebody had instead bought an individual bond, and said, I'm going to hold that for three months or four months or six months until it matures a totally different animal now. Now I know I'm going to get my principal back. I know what the yield was going to be when I bought the thing. It's a guaranteed investment. So even though it's a similar vehicle, it's bond, but because you're holding an individual, it's a completely different animal than a bond fund. Okay. Completely different. Okay. Because you're going to be able to offer the stability of principle and a guaranteed yield. Okay. Got it. All right. So... <laughs> why, why we do this, and I'll just use a very, like yeah. yeah, I'll use a very simple analogy. Okay, go ahead. When I'm building a portfolio, I often talk about building a house. I don't think it's too different. And when you build a house, the first thing that you want to do is install a strong foundation. Mm-hmm. We know you're going to have to replace your roof on your house every 10 to 15 years. You do not want to replace that foundation. So when you build a foundation, what we're looking to do is create a stable area, something that is certain, something that you're always going to have the principal guaranteed, and you're going to try to get a decent yield. That's where some of the alternatives came into play, because we would normally have used bonds in that area, and we have been using various insurance products, or alternatives, if you want to call it that. It's just an alternative to a bond. It doesn't mean it has to be that much more aggressive. And then as we move up into the building of the house, that's where we can get into other vehicles, structured notes, more of a hybrid between a stock and a bond. You're lending a bank your money, but you may be able to get market-like returns associated with it. Maybe a little bit more risk. So you may not have 100% certainty, but you have a lot more potential. And then as we move up into the house, we can take on more and more risk maybe funds of stocks where we're going to be able to move them around a little bit more. Or maybe the riskiest thing that you could do is actually build an individual stock portfolio. And just Mm -hmm. because somebody says risk, that doesn't mean you should avoid it. We take risks every day. I get in my car. That's probably one of the most dangerous activities I engage in daily. It is a risky activity. But if somebody told me, Pat, that's risky, don't do it. Well, then how am I going to get to my job? How am I going to get to the store? How am I going to be able to accomplish these things? Mm -hmm. Taking risk is simply part of life, and it is part of investing. What we're trying to do is figure out how much risk is appropriate for you. Do you need to take on the risk? I'll use a really simple story. I met uh, with some clients yesterday. They're very fortunate. They have very strong pension income. Their Social Security benefits are also pretty decent. So what they've established for themselves is a guaranteed source of income through their pensions and Social Security Mm -hmm. that are going to have a cost of living adjustment. Talk about a nice base to build off of. Yeah, yeah. Now, all we now need to use their investments for is to supplement any additional income. 
I had a very blunt conversation with them. I said, you know, you're really meeting all of your income needs. It doesn't seem like you need to be withdrawing from any of your investments. So you're in the catbird seat. Do you want to take on more risk? Because you can afford to. It's not like you need the money tomorrow. Or do you want to lessen the risk? Because mainly you cross the finish line. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for you to continue to chase more risk. Mm -hmm. Why risk losing what you've had when you don't need to? So these are the conversations that we'll have. And so what was their end goal? What was their response to that? Their end goal really ended up coming out to we want to leave some assets for our kids. But, you know, we do want to maybe spend a little bit more of this money. Maybe we want to change our lifestyle slightly, especially in the first few years of retirement. That's what I think is interesting about this couple. They had that foundation, like you were talking about, the important foundation at the base of this, quote unquote, retirement home from a financial perspective that we're thinking about. They had that guaranteed income. But they also had these savings because somebody might come to you and be like, you're right. We don't want to risk any of it. We want to have this 500, 1 million, $5 million safe and secure, minimal risk. Or some people be like, we don't need it. So we're happy to see it grow and put more risk there so that our kids and grandkids have something more to inherit. There really is two different ways to look at it in that circumstance. There is. And and I've always tell folks, it's not a matter of being right and wrong. Now, I definitively believe in right and wrong. However, in this particular case, this is a weighing the good and the bad. Right. And my measurement of good and bad may be very different than my client's measurement of good and bad. Right. I need to understand what their measurement of it is. That's the important thing. Yep. Yep. Is what is your comfort level? And, you know, it makes the world go round. Everybody's mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you want to take on more risk and you feel that that's valuable because you think you're going to be able to travel more, change your lifestyle, maybe leave more to your kids as an inheritance, mm-hmm. that's fine. We will help you accomplish that objective. However, if somebody has a more conservative stance and says, you know, I never envisioned I'd be in this place. I never came from a lot. I've been very fortunate. I just don't want to lose this. Yeah, yeah. I want to be able to use some of it, but I don't want to lose it. That's my biggest fear. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's their risk tolerance. And we're going to incorporate that as we build the portfolios. Stocks, bonds, annuities, social security, pension, cash, kids, life, family. It all involves different amounts of risk levels. The whole idea about creating a plan for your financial future is understanding your risk levels and your risk level tolerance And then using the opportunities, the investment opportunities that you have to create a customized plan to you and your goals. That is what Pat and what Abe Abish and the entire team at Abish Financial Services work to help folks figure out every single day in their office and they can help you as well. So if you have questions about your investment opportunities, go to retirementkeyradio.com. That is where you can begin the conversation with the entire team at Abish Financial Services. Again, Get started today at retirementkeyradio.com. Thanks for listening to the Retirement Key Podcast. Be sure to listen to the Retirement Key Radio Show, Saturdays and Sundays on WMAL. Investment advisory services offered through Abish Financial Wealth Management, LLC, number 310633, a registered investment advisor firm. Financial professionals are not licensed in all 50 states. To find out if Abish Financial Services is licensed in your state, please call 571-577-9968. Abish Financial Services is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Abish Financial Services, Inc., Virginia Insurance License, number 12782. Zero.